We had a wonderful tour with the Chariots of Light here recently. Uh, we did the Trail of Tears tour starting in Cherokee, North Carolina, and rode all the way to Tahlequah, Oklahoma, following the Trail of Tears. And boy, it was a great tour, great ride. Uh, we enjoyed the history. Uh, of course, I have Cherokee in me on my mother's side. I knew a lot about it. I'd studied it many times, but I learned so much more on that tour. And uh, while we were on that tour, uh, I, didn't, I didn't preach. I told uh, Bill Horn, Bill and Ginger, who are directors, I said, I don't want to preach on this tour. This is a tour I've been wanting to do for a long time, and I just want to enjoy the tour. Uh, just ride, enjoy the history lesson, enjoy the fellowship with, with all the other uh, Chariots of Light riders, and not preach. Usually I ride 150, 200 miles, get to the hotel by 3 o'clock, shower, and uh, get ready for the service that night. Everybody else can relax. I got to go to work again, you know. But this time I said, no preaching. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Well, even though I didn't preach, I had the word on my mind the whole time. You know, I'm riding along there. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to hear the Lord talk while you're on your motorcycle. And I said, you mean God talks to you on your bike? Of course. Hallelujah. He'll talk to you anywhere you give him an opportunity to. Amen. And uh, I kept hearing some things in my spirit. And as soon as I got home, which was Monday of last week, uh, we, Carol and I, went down to our river house. And, and the next morning I got up uh, early, went to my study, and just began to fellowship with the Lord and about the things he was talking to me about. And uh, I heard some things from him and began to work on uh, a message regarding it. And I want to share that message with you this morning, but I won't be able to get through with it all. It's going to take three Sundays to cover it. He said, boy, God did a lot of talking to you, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. Praise God. So uh, I believe I'm scheduled to speak again on June the 12th. Okay, I'm, I'm preaching again in June the 5th and June the 12th. Okay, I got it, praise God. And uh, so this is going to be a three-part series, and you don't want to miss any of it, praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss any of it. And then, of course, those of you that are watching by live stream would encourage you to join in. And, uh, uh, of course, I'll be leaving in the morning uh, for a three-day meeting in Georgia, and then i leave Georgia on Thursday and join Brother Copeland in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, I believe, for a victory campaign. And uh, so it's a, a busy week ahead. But I'm excited about the things the Lord has shared with me that I want to bring to you this morning. I begin, as I said, in my fellowship with him on Tuesday morning of last week. And here's what I heard. Contrary to what you might hear in the days ahead, it is still the year for my people to experience the open hand of God. So tell them, I'm not done, and the best is yet to come. And in hard times, I will rescue them. 
Hallelujah. Let me say it again. Contrary to what you might hear in the days ahead, it is still the year for my people to experience the open hand of God. So tell them I'm not done. The best is yet to come. And in hard times, I will rescue them. So let's go ahead and thank God in advance for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'm not denying, I want to make it very clear, I'm not denying that hard times are coming. I'm not denying that. I am denying the right for them to affect me. Amen. We are the redeemed of the Lord. The Bible says we ought to be saying so. So look at somebody and say, I am the redeemed of the Lord. So once again, hard times are coming. It's the world we live in today. It's the, it's the sign of the times. So I'm not denying that hard times are not coming. They are coming. And people will be affected by them. A lot of people will be affected by them. But they don't have to affect us. Hallelujah. I thought I'd get a louder response out of that. So once again, I, begin, I immediately began to, to uh, write my sermon notes regarding this. And uh, on Thursday, uh, let me take it back. On Wednesday, I had to fly to Kansas to do a meeting Wednesday night in DeSoto, Kansas. And then we flew back home on Thursday. And as I was uh, in my hotel room Thursday morning, there was a, a breaking news message came up on my phone. And uh, it was talking about there is a major food shortage and a famine is inevitable. Does anybody see that? A major food shortage and a famine is inevitable. Later that day, Carolyn shared with me an article that Carla had sent to her stating the same thing. Now, I thought it was very interesting that just a few days before, the Lord said to me, contrary to what you will hear in the days ahead. You know, nothing catches God off guard. Amen. Contrary to what you might hear in the days ahead, it is still the year for my people to experience the open hand of God. And I will rescue them in hard times. So that's what I'm holding fast to. Amen. Once again, I'm not denying hard times. I know they're coming. But, everybody say but. But, but God. <laughs> Amen. Don't, don't, don't rule God out. Don't rule his word out. Can you say amen? amen? So regardless of the breaking news, I still have good news. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? So are you ready to hear what the Lord shared with me? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. How about you? All right. Now let's open our Bibles to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. And once again, this is part one of a three-part series that I'll be doing, and I'm going to entitle it, In Hard Times, God Will Rescue You. Now, in Psalm 33, beginning in verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul 
from death and to keep them alive in famine. Underline that phrase, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Now it's amazing to me that he talks about famine and then at the same time he talks about, in other words, it appears he's saying, I know famine's coming, but I'm not moved by what I'm hearing because I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. He's my help. He's my shield. And because I trust in his name, verse 22, let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Now the message translation reads this way. God's God's eye is upon those who respect him the ones who are looking for his love. He's ready to come to their rescue in bad times. He's ready to come to their rescue in bad times. I'm going to say that again. He's ready to come to their rescue in bad times. The Passion Translation says, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who wait in hope and expectation. Expectation. What are you expecting? Because it's a proven fact. You get what you expect. It may not happen overnight, but you keep expecting it and eventually you will experience it. Jesus said it this way, bid unto thee according to thy faith. Amen. Faith and expectancy are closely related. So what you expect is what will happen. What, how, how you exercise your faith. And what you exercise your faith for is what you will experience, praise God. And the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Their lives shall be sustained by their faith. I have faith in God. I have faith in his word. I've been living this way for, uh, I'm in my 53rd year of living this way. And praise God, I'm here to tell you, it still worketh. Hallelujah. And you say amen. amen. So once again, even in... Uh, uh, times of, of trouble and famine, we are to expect God to be our help. Now, the word expectation means anticipating with confidence. Anticipating with confidence. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a confident person. Now, many of you, your face didn't express that. Said with a big smile this time, I'm a confident person. (laughs) Amen. You know, a lot of people confuse confidence of people of faith with arrogance. Being egotistical. I'm not an egotistical person. Amen. I'm not an arrogant person. People that know me well know I'm not an arrogant person. To know me is to love me. Hallelujah. But I'm confident. I'm very confident. Amen. Amen. I'm confident in my God and I'm confident in his word. And I'm confident that in hard times, he will be my help. He will be my shield and he will rescue me. Hallelujah. Anybody agree? Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. I'm anticipating 
no matter what comes down the pike, so to speak, God will rescue me. Hallelujah. Expectation also means looking forward to a future event with reason to believe that event will happen. Amen. Now, what am I expecting where a future event is concerned? I'm expecting God to rescue me. Amen. So I'm looking forward to a future event, God rescuing me with reason to believe that that's exactly what's going to happen. Hallelujah. That's expectation. So what is the event that we are looking forward to with confidence? God rescuing us in bad times. Can you say amen? Amen. In famine, he will rescue us. Now, Psalm 37, just a page or two over. Psalm 37. And let's look at verse 18. Now, let's back up to verse 17. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in days of famine they shall be satisfied. Now the message translation reads this way. In hard times they, God's people, the upright, hold their heads high. When the shells are bare, they'll be full. Hallelujah. When there's a, let's let's put it in modern day vernacular. In hard times, they'll hold their heads up high. When shelves are bare of food shortage, they'll be full. In a food shortage, in a catastrophe, in a famine, they shall be full. Hallelujah. You know, everything's increasing. Everything's increasing. Price of gas, price of bread. Can't even buy a candy bar for what it used to be. (laughs) Everything's increasing. But if bread goes up to $15 a loaf, God will bless me with 16. Hallelujah. Because he's the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. Can he say amen? If gasoline goes up to $25 a gallon, he'll give me $26 for every gallon that I put in my car. He's the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now the Passion Translation says, even in a time of disaster, he'll watch over them and will always, and they will always have more than enough no matter what happens. Listen to that. Even in a time of disaster, he'll watch over them and they will always have more than enough no matter what happens. Amen. Now, it's important to notice that in the Bible, there is a definite distinction between what happens to God's people and what happens to the ungodly. May I ask which group are you in? I'm assuming everybody in here is in the group called God's people. 
If you're not in that group called God's people, oh, we're going to pray for thee. Because it is obvious, you read your Bible, that what happens to the ungodly is not what happens to the godly. What happens to the unrighteous is not what happens to the righteous. What happens to the unjust is not what happens to the just. Can you say amen? amen. Now, uh, let's, let's look at an example found in Psalm 1. Psalm 1. <clears throat> let's begin in verse 1. You all know this psalm. Probably learned it in Sunday school when you were a child. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall also not, also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." Now, who are we talking about? Those that are walking in the counsel of God, the godly. But then notice how it starts with verse 4. But the ungodly are not so. So there's a difference between what happens to the godly and what happens to the ungodly. Now, I've heard preachers get up and talk about, you know, all this is coming, all this is coming hard times, bad times, and prophesied doom. And doom is coming. I'm not denying that. Hard times are coming. I'm not denying that. But the question is, what group are you in? Because what happens to the ungodly is not what happens to the godly. What happens to the unrighteous is not what happens to the righteous. Hallelujah. Now, the Passion Translation says, what delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? Anybody in here following God's ways? Then praise God, put a smile on your face because it said, what delight comes to those who follow God's ways? Amen. I refuse to walk around with my head down and a frown on my face and, and looking dejected and depressed and troubled. That's just not Jerry Savelle. That's not me. Amen. Amen. And the reason being is because I know the promises of God. Amen. I've lived by them. How many of you remember the old song, Standing on the Promises That Cannot Fail? That's what I've been doing for over 52 years. And not one of them has ever failed. So what delight comes to the one who follows God's way? Now the Amplified reads this way. <clears throat> blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. Amen. What are mockers? People that that deny uh, God and deny the validity of his word. Amen. I don't sit with that group. Amen. And if I happen to be in their group, it won't be long. I get up and walk off. <laughs> Amen. 
because sometimes, you know, you, you wind up in a, in a group of people that you don't know and, and you just, like Brother Hagin used to say, you can locate their faith in five minutes. Just listen to them talk. Amen. I've had to get up and leave in the midst of a group of preachers before. Brother Copeland and I were invited to a meeting in Washington, D.C. a number of years ago. And they had, they had preachers from every denomination and every camp. And I think he and I were the only two representing the word of faith. And I think the only reason they invited us is so they could say, <laughs> we, had, we had word of faith people here too. <laughs> but boy, they didn't preach word of faith. In fact, the first night we're sitting there and it was total unbelief, just religious tradition. And over 3,000 people are shouting over unbelief. Brother Copeland looked at me and he said, is there something wrong with us? I said, apparently so. We're the only two in here not shouting over all this religious tradition. He said, you want to stay for this? I said, not really. He said, let's leave. I said, sounds good to me. We got up and walked out. He said, what do you want to do? I said, well, we haven't had dinner. Let's go have some dinner. We ate dinner and then we went back to our room. I turned on the television set. Andy Griffin was on. I said, now, Kenneth, we can sit here and watch Andy Griffin because I know Barney will bring joy to us. Hallelujah. Because we sure weren't getting in that meeting with all them preachers. Amen. Sometimes you even have to get up in a group of preachers. So notice it says, we don't sit down and relax where the scornful and the mockers gather. People that that talk against God, talk against his word. Don't believe in the validity of it. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to subject myself to their unbelief. Amen. Now verse two says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Anybody like prospering? Then follow the advice in Psalm 1, hallelujah. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now the Passion Translation says it this way. His passion is to remain true to the word of I am meditating day and night on true revelations of light. He will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in every season of life. He is never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. That's something to shout about, praise God. Ever blessed, ever prosperous, hallelujah. Praise God. I'll drink to that. (laughs) Amen. This is what the righteous can expect. This is what the godly can expect. But notice what it says in verse four, particularly from the passion translation, but how different are the wicked. Notice what we just read that the righteous can expect is not what the ungodly can expect. I'll ask you again. What group are you in? Everybody in here in the group 
called the righteous, the upright, amen, then you can expect different results in times of trouble, times of famine, than what the rest of the world is going to experience. Amen. That's shouting ground, folks. Hallelujah. But how different are the wicked? Verse 5 from the Passion Translation goes on to say, Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long. Nothing they do will succeed or endure for long. And in verse 6, he repeats it and says, But how different is it for the righteous? How different is it for the righteous? You say, why you got a smile on your face, Brother Jerry? Because of this. Why you got to dance in your step, Brother Jerry? Because of this. Why aren't you sad like others? Because of this. Why aren't you depressed over all this bad news? Because of this. Hallelujah. I got something else to rely upon. Praise God. Now I ask you once again. If you're one of the righteous and you're one of the upright and you're one of the godly, are you obligated to expect what they are going to get? Not at all. Amen. Will everybody experience the same thing? Not at all. It just depends on what group you're in. Let me remind you of this truth. Jesus said, In John 17 and verse 16, they, his followers, are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm not of this world. Tell somebody else, I am not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. (laughs) Say it again. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means I do not have to live by their standards. I do not have to live by their beliefs. Amen. I don't have to follow on the path that they're on. Hallelujah. Now the message translation says, they didn't join the world's ways just as I didn't join the world's ways. In other words, he's talking about his followers. They don't join the world's ways. I haven't joined the world's ways. Like Brother Copeland said one time, some of you people have gone through three crises that Gloria and I didn't even know anything about. (laughs) Because we don't follow the world's ways. Now, I'm not oblivious to what's going on in the world. You know, my iPhone, I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for it. I don't think I did. But these breaking news reports pops up on my phone. Sometimes in the middle of the night, I hear my phone beep or a light comes on. And I'll look down to make sure it's not somebody, you know, one of the family members or something needs me or, or something's going on. And I'll look down and I'm in the middle of the night. And some stupid thing with, there's a food shortage. There's a famine coming. Oh, come on. I'm sleeping. It's coming. But it didn't keep me up all night. In fact, I went right back to sleep with a smile on my face. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, I know you don't sleep and you don't slumber. 
So since you're going to be up all night and I got to get some sleep, talk to me about it when I wake up in the morning. Praise God. Because <laughs> I know you've got a way to rescue me. Amen. So that phone demands that I stay informed with these breaking news reports. But that don't mean I have to join it. Amen. Like my mama used to say, you know, my, my best friend growing up lived across the street from me, Kenny Hennard. And Kenny and I were always doing something together. And, and uh, we, we wanted to go uh, play pool at the pool house, pool hall. And it was the only one back then was downtown Shreveport, Louisiana. And it was called the subway because it was in a basement. And, and Kenny and I wanted to go play pool. And mom said, you're not going. I said, why not, mom? She said, that's not a good environment. I said, but Kenny's going. She said, I don't care if Kenny's going, you're not going. I said, well, why not? Now, I always had in my mind that because I was so small for my age, that mom was always, as they said back then, keep me under her skirt tail or whatever the, you know, phrase was and and I wasn't big enough to take care of myself you know and I always thought that's why she won't want to let me do what other guys do but no she didn't want me in that environment you know we didn't know anything about drugs back then but I later found out if you wanted to know something about them the pool hall was where you could get the information you know <laughs> and uh, no you're not going I don't care if Kenny's going you're not going if Kenny jumps off the bridge in the Red River, you going to join him? That was always her, you know. <laughs> well, I might, you know. Because <laughs> I, I did have a habit of jumping off bridges, you know. But <laughs> she said, well, you're not doing it this time, you know. Just because Kenny jumps off the bridge, you're not jumping off the bridge. That was always her thing, you know. So just because the rest of the world is screaming, crying, pulling their hair out, we don't have to. We're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. Can you say amen? amen. I haven't joined the world's ways. I'm living my life by God's ways. Amen. Now, Let's look at John chapter 16 and look at verse 33. I remember the first time I ever read this verse. And shortly after that, <clears throat> I was invited to speak in a little church. <laughs> a little, they said it was full gospel, but after I got there, I found it was full of something, but it wasn't gospel. <laughs> and... Uh, a little tiny church, little wood frame church on the, on the far side of town there in Shreveport. And at least the pastor was brave enough to invite me to come, you know. But there were just a handful of people. And they were all sitting in the back. Nobody was sitting up front. And I thought that was strange. And so they're all sitting back there. And I, I had just discovered this verse. And I was going to preach from it. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things have I spoken unto you, 
that in me you might have peace. Peace. Anybody got peace in here? Uh, When are we supposed to have peace? Just when everything's going well? Uh, All the time. Jesus said, the things I've said to you will bring peace. In the world, you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. So I said, folks, you and I don't have to live like the world lives. And I thought, you know, Christians would say, yes, amen, hallelujah, brother. No, one guy jumped up in the back of the church and challenged me. I didn't know you were allowed to do that. I mean, this is one of my first sermons. I, I didn't know people did that. And he jumped up and said, well, I'll tell you one thing, young man. Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation. And the whole back row said, yes, amen. And even the pastor said, "Uh uh-huh. I thought, boy, I am alone in this place. I said, well, sir, I just read to you where Jesus said, in the world you shall have tribulation. Yeah, that's what he said, and I'm telling you, in the world you'll have tribulation. Everybody said, yes, amen. Pastor said, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I said, sir, you're not reading the entire verse. I said, Jesus did say, in the world you shall have tribulation. They all shout, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Amen. They were fighting for the right to tribulate. (laughs) Amen. You're not coming in here, little smart mouth preacher, and take our tribulations away from us. We've been tribulating ever since we got saved, and we're going to tribulate all the way home. I said, sir, if you're going to quote Jesus, quote him. I said, what's the next word? I don't know. I said, apparently not. Now, this is going on in the service. I didn't know you could argue with people in the audience. I mean, I came out of a paint and body shop. What do I know about preaching? You know, And that's what he thought. You don't know anything about preaching. But I didn't know you could argue with the pastor in the, sir, in the, in the pulpit, you know. Thank God we got ushers today packing. (laughs) Don't even think about it. In fact, in fact, somebody blessed me with a notebook and I'm thinking about start using it. And in the back of it, it has a place to hold your pistol. A concealed weapon notebook. I'll bring it next time I preach and let you see it. With the pistol. I'm glad he didn't have one back then. He got so mad at me, he would have scratched my eyes out if he could have got away with it. I said, sir, if you're going to quote Jesus, quote him. What's the next word? He said, I don't know. I said, I just read it to you. The next word is but. But. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not an English scholar, but I did learn in English class 
that but is a conjunction, which means he's not through talking. Thou shalt not stop reading. Amen. Nobody ends a sentence with but. I'm going to town, but. But what? That really was a good meal, a good meal today, wasn't? But <laughs> nobody ends a sentence with "but." It's a conjunction. That means something else is coming behind the first statement. So notice, he said, "In the world, you shall have tribulation." I don't deny that. I'm in the world. I'm tested and tried, just like everybody else. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That makes all the difference in the world. Hallelujah. So I like to say, don't forget to read the butts. Amen. Because everything changes after the word, but I heard another uh, preacher one time preaching from second Corinthians chapter four. Listen to what he said. I'll read it to you. We are troubled on every side. We are, dis- we are perplexed. We are persecuted. We are cast down. And people holler, yes, amen. But that's not what it says. It says we are troubled on every side, yet, same thing as but, not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not, uh, not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Notice how the butts change everything. Amen. Don't forget to read the butts. So notice here, Jesus said, my followers, speaking of his disciples, they didn't, they didn't join the world's ways just as I didn't join the world's ways. You need to make that decision not to join the world's ways. Amen. So in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The Amplified Bible reads this way. In the world, you will have tribulation, trials, and distress, and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you. I have conquered it. For you. Somebody give the Lord a good praise. Hallelujah. I have deprived it of the power to harm you. I have conquered it for you. Amen. Now, let me ask you this question. Do we, as the godly, the righteous, the upright, do we have hope for the future? No matter what comes down the pike. All right, now let's go to Romans chapter four. Romans chapter four, God will rescue you in bad times. Now, when you talk about the promises of God, you got to bring up Abraham, the father of faith. And let's begin in verse 17. As it is written, 
I have made thee a father of many nations before him who believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now notice this next strip verse. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Say that with me. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So notice Abraham took the promise that God had given him regarding having a son and that from this son would become a, a, a mighty nation. Even though when God spoke that to him, he was an old man. Sarah was an old woman. And in the natural, it was impossible for her to conceive. Her womb was dead. And yet God promised them that they would have a son. And from this son would come a mighty nation. Now, there were moments in Abraham's life, just like with us, that he wondered how this could ever be. In fact, he came in one day and Sarah said, you know, I I suppose it went something like this. Abraham, I've been thinking about what God said to us. And you know, it's impossible for me to conceive, but I do know he wants you to have a son. And I've been thinking, maybe what God meant was that if you get with my handmaiden, she's capable of conceiving. And that's how you'll have a son. And Abraham said, that's a wonderful idea. (laughs) And he did and she did and Ishmael came. I mean, remember Ishmael. Now, Paul picks up on this story and says that Ishmael was of the flesh. In other words, Abraham made mistakes just like you and I do. Lean to the arm of the flesh because something God had promised him looked utterly impossible. The promises we've read from Psalm about how God will treat us in times of famine may look to some people as utterly impossible. And if you'll study your Bible closely, when Ishmael was born, God did not speak to Abraham again for about 13 years. And then when he finally did, and it picks up on this in Genesis chapter 17, and God appears to Abraham and says, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And it was a rebuke. In other words, Abraham, I don't need your help in bringing this to pass. All I need is your faith. And it's still the same way. God doesn't need our help to bring this to pass. All he needs is our faith. Hallelujah. He was rebuking Abraham 
for leaning to the arm of the flesh. And the Bible says, And Abraham fell on his face, and God spoke to him, saying, I will make my covenant with me and thee. And here's what will happen. And that changed Abraham's life forever. And then Isaac came. And Paul picks up on this and says, Ishmael was of the flesh and Isaac was of promise. By the promise. Amen. So there's, there, there, it's obvious that even the father of faith had his moments. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for you. <laughs> Amen. But now in Romans 4, we're not, we're not talking about that Abraham who leaned to the arm of the flesh. We're now talking about this Abraham who is fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to bring it to pass. You know, there comes a time in your life when you should become fully persuaded. We don't, that doesn't happen to us automatically. And usually it doesn't happen to us overnight. It didn't happen to me automatically. It didn't happen to me overnight. But as I continued to feed my spirit, the word, I began to realize and I began to recognize, Hey, I'm not quite as doubtful now as I was a few weeks ago. This looks possible now when it didn't look possible a few weeks ago. And the more word you put into you, the less you have to deal with doubt and unbelief. Amen. So notice here, Paul is talking about this man who's had a change. And now he's fully persuaded that what God has promised, he was able also to perform. The message translation says that Abraham was sure that God would make good on what he said. How many of you are sure that God will make good on what he says? then why would you worry about what's coming? Let me try this side of the auditorium. Why would you worry about what the media says is coming? If you're sure that God will make good on what he has promised. Hallelujah. The Passion Translation says, he never stopped believing God's promise. Now, that's the attitude you should have. Lift your hands right now and make this solemn pledge to God. I will never stop believing what you have promised. Say it again. I will never stop believing what you have promised. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Now, notice once again, he staggered not at the promise of God. The Amplified Bible uh, implies that staggering at the promise of God is to waver and to doubt or to question the validity of God's promise. Let me say it again. The Amplified Bible in its version of, of this implies that to stagger is to waver and to doubt or to question the validity of God's promise. Abraham held fast to what God had promised and his faith was never weakened as a result of it. In fact, the Bible indicates that his faith even grew stronger. Amen. 
That's, that's what you and I should be focusing on right now. Not this breaking news. What we should be focusing on is how to get my faith stronger. How do I get my faith stronger? Where I am not wavering. I don't stagger at the promise of God. I am fully persuaded that if God says I won't be ashamed in times of famine, then that's exactly the way it's going to be. So be it. Amen. And how do we get our faith stronger? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Don't ever stop hearing the word of God. You know, I, I, I recommend very highly because I do this. I'm not preaching something to you that I don't do myself. I, I go back and I listen to those first sermons that I heard on faith by Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, Oral Roberts, and T.L. Osborne. I have, I have an iPod in that briefcase that I carry everywhere with me. And, and I can fit it in my shirt pocket. I don't know how to download stuff, but I know how to believe God for people that do. <laughs> believe God for the money to pay them. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't know. I'm not good in all that technology. But I took all of my old messages. Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, T.L. Osborne, uh, uh, Oral Roberts, John Osteen, some of Fred Price, and took them in a box over to the publication building and said, download this on my iPod so I can take them everywhere I go. Now, I had reel-to-reel, I had cassette, some CDs. They said, when do you need them? I said, Friday. <laughs> Today was Wednesday. <laughs> I said, I'm leaving uh, for Africa on Friday, and I want to be able to listen to them on that trip. And boy, they were up all night. And downloading them. And I had them in my shirt pocket when I got on that jumbo jet. And I took it out as soon as we took off. And I put my headset on. And I started listening to Kenneth Hagin. Faith 101. Basics of faith. He called it the ABCs of faith. Now I've heard him preach it at least a hundred times or more. But it exploded in me just like it did the first time I heard it. In fact, Brother Copeland and I talk about it quite often when we're on these meetings together, his victory campaigns. He'll, he'll bring up, I was listening, Gloria and I were listening to Kenneth Hagin the other night, and I heard something he said years ago. And I, I, I backed it up and played it again. I said, Gloria, did you hear that? I don't remember him saying that before. And it's always something you didn't hear before. Or it, or it goes off in you like never before. Amen. That's how I keep my faith strong. Is I not only feed on the word myself, but I've got somebody preaching to me on faith all the time. Sometimes I get up in the morning and, and I've got a little uh, player over there on, on, on the vanity. And I'll just turn on a Kenneth Hagin or, or one of those men that were my mentors back in those early days. And I'll just listen to them as I'm shaving and getting ready to shower and getting ready to dress and go start my day. Just listen to them. I may not be sitting there just focused on that, but I can hear it. Amen. Just like you can be in the kitchen and have the TV on CNN and cooking. And then you'll, oh my God, did you hear that? There's a famine coming. 
You wasn't focused on that TV, but you heard it. Amen. Feed your faith. Feed your faith. Brother Lester Summerall used to say, feed your faith and starve your doubts. Amen. Feed your faith. Don't ever stop feeding your faith. So what did Abraham do? He held fast to God's promises and his faith didn't weaken. In fact, his faith even grew. Amen. He simply took God at his word, as the Bible said, and God brought it to pass. And God is the same today. If people will dare to take him at his word, he'll bring it to pass. Now, in verse 12, you still there in Romans chapter 4? In verse 12, the latter part of that verse says that uh, we are to walk in the same faith as our father Abraham. We are to walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. In other words, look at Abraham's life, particularly study this Romans 4. And then go back to Genesis chapter 17. Because that Genesis 17 is the chapter where Abraham changed. Okay? And, and read Genesis 17. And read Romans chapter 4. Just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then, as a result of verse 12, learn to walk in the same steps of faith that Abraham did. And if you read these chapters closely, then you'll, you'll come to realize, okay, then one of the things I need to do is to focus on the promise and not allow myself to stagger at the promise. Don't allow myself to waver where that promise is concerned. If you find yourself wavering, then go back and read those chapters again particularly the promises regarding how God will treat his own in hard times. Now, I just read a few verses. There are many, many more, particularly in Psalms, many more. In fact, I didn't read this one, but I'll tell you, in Job, it also says, and the reason I didn't bring it up in one of those at the beginning of the service, when I was reading from Psalm about famine, because a lot of people would have had a hard time receiving it. But I'm going to tell you now. I think you can receive it now. In Job, it actually says, At famine thou shalt laugh. (laughs) Amen. How could anybody laugh in a famine? Because they know something other people don't know. They have promises. The godly have promises. I said the godly have promises. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. In other words, let Abraham be an example to you. If God fulfilled his promises to Abraham, when he staggered not at them, then he'll do the same for us if we'll follow Abraham's example. Don't let what the world says overshadow what God has promised. I'm going to say that again. Don't let what the world says overshadow what God has promised. Amen. Now, let me give you one more meaning of the word or the phrase staggered not. It means never 
allowed, he never allowed himself to become agitated. He never allowed himself to become agitated. If you get agitated, frustrated, and depressed over what you're hearing in the news, then it's time to turn it off and go get back in the Word of God. Amen? Because what you hear on the news, if, if, you're, not, if you're not in the Word uh, like you should be, then it will agitate you. It will frustrate you. It will depress you. But here it says he staggered not. In other words, he never allowed himself to become agitated. The word agitated means troubled emotionally and deeply disturbed. Troubled emotionally and deeply disturbed. Being agitated and deeply disturbed usually leads to a person also becoming unstable and double-minded. And you know what the book of James says about a double-minded person. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So don't allow yourself to become agitated, deeply disturbed. Stay focused on the word. Let me encourage you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. For all the promises of God are in him. Uh, all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen. That means affirmative, positive, so be it. The Amplified Bible says, for this reason, we also utter the amen, so be it. All of God's promises in him are, are yea and amen. They're affirmative. They're sure. You can have confidence in them. You can, you can quote them and have a smile on your face. Hallelujah. Amen. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, whereby are given to us exceeding and great and precious promises. Given to us exceeding great and precious promises. And he goes on to say, and by these we might be partakers of the divine nature and having escaped the corruption that is in the world. The promises of God will keep you from the corruption that is in the world. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The passion adds this through the power of these promises. That's how God will keep you from the corruption that the rest of the world will experience through the power of the promises. Hallelujah. God's promises are more powerful than anything Satan can do, anything Satan can bring against us. That's why the Bible encourages us to hold fast to them. So in honor of that, I want you to look at somebody and tell them, I will not yield to fear. My God has given me exceeding great and precious promises, and I refuse to let go of them. Amen and amen, amen, and give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. I could have been a lawyer. I rest my case. <laughs>